I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddo, and wherever you're listening from, it's great to have you with us, whether you're a first-time listener or one of our old pals. And if you are new to the podcast, well, let me tell you, you're in for a treat, because today I'm joined by two fabulous writers and champions of children's literature. My first guest is a number one New York Times best-selling author who's published 12 books here in the UK and is currently US National Ambassador for Young People's Literature. In 2021, he was awarded the Carnegie Medal for his book Look Both Ways and was previously shortlisted in 2019 for his powerful verse novel, Long Way Down. Here to tell us about not one, but two of his latest books, Stump Boy and Oxygen Mask, it's Jason Reynolds. Welcome to Book Off. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. It's great to see you again, Jason. And my second guest is an award-winning performance poet, playwright, author, and the newly appointed Waterstones Children's Laureate, ladies and gentlemen, the first black man to hold this role. He is twice the winner of the Independent Bookshop Week Picture Book Award, and in 2015 won the CLPE Clipper Poetry Award for his collection Werewolf Club Rules. Here to tell us about his new picture book, our tower. It's Joseph Coilo. Welcome to you, Joe. Hello. So lovely to be here. I'm a Joseph uh, officially on my birth certificate and also when I've been very naughty, uh, <laughs> but I go by Joe. I'm assuming you, you might be the same. Yes. Yeah. When I'm naughty, Joseph. <laughs> sure. when you're in a professional situation or <laughs> yeah. being naughty it's joseph yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i should do the introductions here uh even though i know you've both met jason joe joe jason uh we're good man we've done photo shoots together at this point it's all yeah. good man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i uh, we are all um in the UK at the moment, but we're being beamed in through uh, various different parts of it. Um, and it's great to have you both with us. And over the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to talk about these brilliant new books of yours that I've mentioned already. We're going to find out what you've been reading and enjoying recently. And of course, we'll do the book off where each of you gets to pitch as a book that you absolutely love, that you think we should all read. That's for later, though. Jason, if I could come to you first, can we talk about Stump Boy, which I read last year? Uh, and absolutely loved it. And I feel like 
we need superheroes more than ever right now. So perhaps you can just tell us about Portico Reeves, perhaps set up the story here for those that haven't got to this book yet. Yeah, uh, Stuntboy is a... I don't know what to call the book. I don't know if it's a graphic novel or a comic or... I'm, I'm not always sure. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an experimentation of sorts. It's, but the story itself is about a young man named Portico Reeves who lives in what we call a, an American apartment building, which I suppose is like a tower block, right? Is that yeah. right? So, so he, he lives in, in a tower block. And he is your everyday boy who's rambunctious. He has friends. He runs around in the world of the apartment. Um, but he's dealing with uh, a moment of upheaval in his family because his parents are getting a divorce. And that divorce has triggered his anxiety in ways that uh, nothing else has. And uh, he takes on an alter ego, Stunt Boy, which is basically just uh, his version of a stunt man, um, except the stunts he's trying to do are his parents' stunts so that they don't hurt themselves. Um, and that, that's the basic premise of Stunt Boy in the meantime. I just love it, Jason. Um, and... I feel like maybe I'm maybe this is just me, but I feel like people in general are talking a little bit more about anxiety at the moment. Perhaps since the pandemic, it's become mm. something that's a little bit more okay to mention to talk about. Is it something that you yourself have experienced and, and dealt with? Of course, of course. I mean, I'm you know diagnosed with anxiety at 25, right. and um, yeah, 25, man, and. And it's been quite a journey, but it's been, but it hasn't been, you know, we like to, we like to harp on the doom and gloom of the thing. But for me, it's just been interesting, an interesting sort of way to think about the human experience and to think about the way that we process our lives every day. I don't feel any less than or any, or any weaker or anything like that. I, I just feel like I live with something that has to be managed and and if manageable, it it can be something that's pretty useful at times, you know, yeah. um, or at least we can think about it as a useful thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I want to come on to talk about Oxygen Mask, which is your latest, latest graphic novel. Um, and I will in a moment. Um, but Joe, if I could talk to you about um, this beautiful new book, Our Tower, um, which has parallels to Stump Boy in a way that it's about this tower block, you know, in the UK. And it follows three children living in their block. Perhaps you could introduce us to them and you could set up this beautiful story for us. Yeah, so th these three kids are in their in their block of flats, which was inspired greatly from uh, the place I grew up, the Alton Estate in Roehampton, which was Europe's largest council estate. Um, and at the start, they see their estate as very grey, boring and harsh, which is how I would often see my estate. I remember looking out from my third floor window and looking at the sunlight reflecting off the concrete and just thinking, ugh, I don't like the, I don't like the look of the harsh concrete. But Roehampton's a very green area. And what I loved was the height, because from the height I could see for miles. And I could look down on the trees that kind of bordered the road up to my block. And it, on one of those trees, I would see a face in the crown of this old man, this sort of old uh, grizzled man. Um, and when I'd go out to play with my friends, it was the 80s, so you know, we, could, we were allowed to play out <laughs> at quite a young age. Um, I would try and search for this tree, but from the ground level, I couldn't appreciate the crown, and so I could never quite find the tree. And so the book was inspired by the idea of what would happen if I had found that tree. So these three kids, they hear a song on the wind, and they leave their block of flats, 
and they creep out to the edges of the estate and they search for this tree, but they get to find it. And when they find this tree, the uh, trunk opens up for them and they tumble down into this magical world where they meet various magical creatures and a, a magical being that gives them a stone, a stone with a hole right through the middle. I think often known as hagstones. And using this stone, they're able to reevaluate their block and their estate because the things they look at through that stone, um, the magical things become ordinary, but the ordinary things become magical and they see the, the true nature of, of life and uh, it leads to them realising the, the beauty and, and the sense of community that they have on their estate. And hearing you talk about it, it really does, it brings the magic out of this book. It's it's beautiful. And part of the magic of this book, Joe, is is the stunning illustrations here by Richard Johnson. How do you, this is a question for both of you, but I'll start with you, Joe. How do you find collaborating with artists for your books? Uh, well, I feel so lucky uh, to have to got to work with some brilliant illustrators. Um, often when you, you know, when I first started out with picture books, they sort of keep you, the publishers would keep you separate, which I, I understand why I think us writers can be quite precious and often have a vision for how we want our work to look. Um, and so I think it's, it's an act of, of protection on the publisher's part. Um, but now I've been doing it a while. I, I, I get to work a, a bit more closely with the illustrators and it was great to, uh, meet Richard, um, virtually at the time and we were talking about the story in the book and I'd sent him some photos of, of my old estate and, and where I grew up and he did some brilliant things like he recorded the story and then went on long walks just listening to the story on repeat uh, so kind of seeking inspiration and then when I first started to see the roughs coming in I was literally able to recognize areas where I used to play out some of the unusual structures there were some uh, some weird structures <laughs> at the bottom of my block which I think was to do with the heating, you know, which powered the, the, the whole block. And we'd play out around these big sort of concrete chimney things. But I would see those things and, and it took me straight back to being a kid. And there were also three statues, a work of art by Lynn Chadwick, which were on the edge of my estate. And me and my friends were terrified of these statues. We called them the three witches and never went near them. Um, and I, I sent Richard a, a picture of these and he went and researched them further and he's recreated his version of the statues within the book. So it, it feels like a very personal uh, um, book because of that. Um, and it's just wonderful seeing how, how Richard, in a, in a filmic sense, kind of brought that story to life. Yeah, very much so. And it is, a, as I said, it is a beautiful book. Um, really, really striking pictures. And Jason, you collaborated for Oxygen Mask with... Jason Griffin, right? Who's uh, is that a friend of yours? You've you've known him for years. Yeah, yeah I've known him for twenty five years. Right. Man. That's, yeah, he's like one of my brothers. I've known that dude. We used to live. We've lived together for a huge bulk of our adult lives. Um, yeah, he's like a, he's a he's he's like my favorite person to work with. I mean, at first I have to say that I, I got to work with Raul the Third on Stump Boy. Yeah, and uh, who's just a master. You know, I, I I checked out Joe's book and I saw the illustrations. Um, and they were they're so saturated, you know, and so rich. Um, really incredible. It just pulls you into this 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 magical story. And I think for our story, um, because it isn't magical in the same way, we it's all a bit cheeky. And <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like because 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 the art has to do what the art needs to do for the story, right? 
and I and so I, it was it I, you know every book is different and so I look at sort of what 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 Joe's book looks like and I'm like gosh I wish I would have this is amazing but then I realized like Stump Boy doesn't work the same if if it's if it's that kind of illustration yeah. you know uh, Raul has this really unique style he's a Mexican American guy and so his style is sort of drawn from you know the the old. Uh, you know, Cuba Libre wrestlers and, and things yeah. of that nature. You know what I mean? Like, you really just, get that, actually. You really it, yeah. get that. It's, it's really something special, and I, and I love it. Love it so, 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 so much. And then with Jason, with Jason, on the other hand, he's a fine artist. You know, the one thing that he would never want to be called is an illustrator, not because he doesn't respect illustrators, he does, uh, but because he, he would struggle to draw the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Uh, he's he's somebody that... that um, Everything is every single page to him is like he doesn't really care what I'm doing. He's like I'm going to make masterpieces. That, you know, he's like yeah. he's like that kind of artist that's totally like I'm just going to do what I want to do type of thing. And it's good. I mean, I trust him. And 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 this particular book, it, instead of it being an illustrated version, and instead of it being illustrations, it's responses. Um, it's more like responses or interpolations. Uh, or his own sort of expression of the narrative mm. through his particular medium, and then we take those two things and we mesh, and we mesh them together to create this experience, which is really what we want that book to feel like. Oh, and you absolutely achieve it, Jason. Because I'm just literally looking through it now, um, and I remember like when when it first got sent to me, I almost, you know, I almost had to take each page and really sort of take it in because, like you said, each page is is like a sort of work of art on its own yeah. you know every single page has a lot to take in and then there's the words as well your words on top of that mm -hmm. um and not many words and what i what i quite liked about it is that because you didn't put so many words on the page you're really able to take both in so Absolutely. you are taking the story in and you're taking you know um jason's art and interpretation of that in as well um but it's it also is a book that can be read again i think you know because oh of yeah that. yeah yeah yeah, it, it should be read a few times. You know, I'm excited to see what people, especially for like the young folks who read it at 14, what what it's like for them to yeah. read it at 21, and what it's like for them to read it at 30. You know, yeah. it may change a bit, even on the way that they remember 2020, uh, and 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 sort of the the vivid nature of that year may shift as they continue to get older. You know, we remember yeah. things differently as we grow, and that book would be an interesting anchor point for them. Because when I was getting into reading I remember I was about 10 or 11 and I one of the first things I read probably were graphic novels you know that was a big mm. gateway into literature for me and into reading for pleasure which of mm. course this is um but this is you know a really important story I think as well Jason perhaps you could set this one up for us and also it's it's told in three parts perhaps you can explain why and how you decided to tell it this way yeah it's I mean it's it's this it's the story of 2020 Sort of, right? It's yeah. sort of, a, it's sort of. A, it's hard to talk about it because I don't know what to call it. But I, it's, it's, because um, I don't think it's a manifesto, though I've heard it described that way. Okay. But it's, it's just a snapshot, really. It's a, it's, it's a photograph. You know, it's a photograph of 2020, um, and it's meant to serve as sort of a way for us to catch our breath. I think 2020 was a year that was stripping air from us in every way, uh, stripping air from us and racial uprising, stripping air from us. COVID was attacking the respiratory system. Um, like everything sort of was, was taking air emotionally and mentally, physically, spiritually, creatively, socially, right? Just, just suffocating us. 
and and this book was meant to sort of talk about where one might find the oxygen mask. And the answer, what I hope we all learned, was that it, it, the oxygen masks for us all exist in the mundane bits of our lives. You know, the boring bits is really where the, where the magic is. You know, if your kids are crying, it means your kids are alive. What a beautiful thing that is now, right? We have perspective is an, is an amazing thing. I always call it the sixth the sixth phase of grief is it's got to be perspective. You know, where you can kind of see things a little differently. Um, and it's written in, in what I call breaths. It's three sentences, really. It's, it's, the, the book is written in three sentences that I remove the punctuation from and let Jason break up as he wants, which is why people think it's a poem, but it's not a poem. Right. It, it's three long sentences. Um, and they're called breaths because there's that theory that if you take three deep breaths, you come back to some sense of equilibrium. Uh, and, and that's how the book is structured in three three breaths. Yeah, I love that. I love that, th thinking about it in that way. And also that... We all, well, but a lot of us were really taking the breaths we needed after 2020. I'll tell you that, and during it, I think, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a stunning book. Um, I really, really hope it finds loads of readers of all ages, Jason. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, Joe, I've got to talk about uh, the Children's Laureate because this is a new role for you. Have you settled in yet? And for those that don't know, perhaps you could tell us what it actually entails as well, because this is very exciting. Yeah, so the, the Children's Laureate is a, a role that's been going for a while now. I'm the 12th Children's Laureate, following on from Cressida Cow. Um, it's a two-year post, um, following nominations sort of by the industry and by writers and illustrators and literature organisations and what have you. Um, and each laureate makes the role their own, um, and which is a lovely thing. So I'm focusing on three areas. I'm going to, uh, uh, one part is called Poetry Prompts, where I'll be creating regular content, inviting the nation to write poems in fun and accessible ways, because that's what I've spent the last 20 years of my life doing in the classroom. And I realize that poetry comes with, with a lot of baggage. So I want to break down those barriers and get people realizing that they are all poets, I also am going to spend a, a large part of my tenure um, highlighting up-and-coming writers and illustrators and poets and storytellers to help diversify bookshelves because it took me a while to see myself as a writer. It wasn't until the wonderful, late, great Jean Binterbreeze visited my school and read a poem about the softest touch that I first had that moment of, that could be me. You know, there was someone who looked a bit like me doing the, the job of writing and performing. Um, and I want to ensure that every child gets the opportunity to see themselves as a writer, as a storyteller, as a bookmaker. And last but not least, I'll be visiting libraries. I, I gave myself the challenge pre-COVID of joining a library in every library authority in the UK. I then discovered there are 209 library authorities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it took a while, but I managed to join 140 libraries, meeting librarians Amazing. on the way, getting a library card, borrowing books, highlighting those writers and uh, illustrators, um, but uh, then COVID hit. But now, as laureate, I get to join the remaining 70-odd, because we've thrown a few extra in for, for good luck, and I'm going to be sharing stories and poems and, and getting people into their libraries. 
Oh, fantastic. I love that. I love that you're joining every single library. I've just moved, actually, and one of the first things I had on my to-do list was to go and join the local library um, yeah, and get brilliant. in there and start start getting some books out. Um, <laughs> and I want to talk, uh, Jason, about your role as National Ambassador of Children's Literature in a moment, but just because you mentioned it, Joseph, I love watching you perform poetry. I love watching your videos and, and you know seeing you live. And I wonder whether you'd noticed recently if poems are becoming more popular you know amongst young people specifically for sure um we, i mean we see that just from the clp clipper award which has been yeah. having more and more nominations uh, each each year more poetry books being published when i first started out i mean it took me 12 years to get published um and then i managed to get published because i i met a poetry editor the wonderful janetta otterberry and she published my first book. But even then, with a book out, I still couldn't get an agent because people would say, oh, well, you've got, you write poetry and you've got a poetry book out. There's nothing more we can, we can do for you. Um, but that's changing now. There's far more poetry books coming out. Um, a book I was reading recently by Alex Walton, Daydreams and Jelly Beans, which is a beautiful younger poetry collection. And Matt Goodfellow has some brilliant poetry collections coming out as well. So it's great to see like new voices coming up and more and more poetry collections out there. And I think poetry is, is hugely popular and, and shorter forms, which we see with mm. Jason's oxygen mask. Uh, it's such a beautiful kind of, and I was saying to Jason the other day, like how theatrical it is and how it forces you to breathe and look again. And I, I think people are realizing the power in, in the units of language, in, in the shorter form. Yeah, the fact that Jason's got these three beautiful sentences here, but they take you on this long narrative journey that we can all relate to because, because poetry shorter forms do that. They have this, they cut to the heart, to the heart of things, which, which you can do in longer form, but yeah. I think there's something, there's something special about the shorter form which just cuts straight through. Oh, completely agree. And much like when I was younger and reading graphic novels, I was also sort of delving into poetry collections and like learning some short poems as well that I could recite. And that was another really important way into reading, I think, for me and to sort of learning language and stuff. Um, and Jason, before we move on, I do want to ask about your role, the National Ambassador of Children's Literature, because I imagine there are some parallels with being the Children's Laureate here, are there? Yeah, there are. There are. I mean, I, the <clears throat> the biggest difference is I can't really promote other authors, okay. um, which is tricky. Ours is governmental, right? And so right. because of that, you got to be careful about promotion and things of that nature. But you know, so for us, it's more about the perpetuation and proliferation of reading and writing, right? You're just the sort of the the, the chief the chief encourager. For, for reading and writing. And, that's and quite a good me, title. Yeah, Chief Encourager. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> you know, like my, and for me, I really wanted to take a different approach and figure out how, you know, I, how to come through the back door. Um, I think I think that there's nothing wrong with tricking kids. You know, you got to trick them sometimes. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> so I, I think we'd all so, agree. That's fine. Yeah, yeah you just got to trick them, you know, so I saw... <laughs> And so I so I never really talk too much about books. Actually, I talk about story and I talk about their relationship to story, to their own stories and the stories of their environments and families, and uh, and give them something to be, you know, try my best to help them 
uh, find some pride in, in who they already are and, and, and allow them to see that the stories that exist within them are just as important as all those stories on the shelf, if not more important. Uh, and, and, and using that as a starting point, especially for the young people who don't like to read and write. Um, so that, that's been my platform. My, my, my term is up, though. Joe is just getting going. And uh, I, I, you know, Godspeed, Joe. Um, my, but my, my time has come to an end. I'm, I'm a few months out, man, before I'm, I'm going to take off my medallion. Right. Okay. So the battle, it's almost like the baton's being passed, even though it's for different countries. Um, Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, I just love that you're both such huge champions of children's literature. And I, I really do. You know, we, we try and do it as much as we can on this podcast. And as a soon to be published children's author myself, you know, I think it's really important that we're talking about children's books and poetry and how to get people into reading of all ages. But um, mm-hmm. these books that I've loved and enjoyed of yours recently are just some of the ones that should be put into many children's hands, I think, of all ages. Um I always like to ask my guests what they've been reading and enjoying recently because you know how it goes. We we read so much with and we, we're very lucky in, in the publishing industry that we get sent these books sometimes by people we know and our friends that are authors and publishers. And we go, oh, my goodness, that was so amazing and not always get the chance to shout about it. So um, has there been anything that you, Joe, have read recently and enjoyed and any authors that you want to sort of put on our radar? Yeah, um, I was very lucky to meet uh, Xavier Leopold at the uh, Edinburgh Book Fair and to pick up his latest book, Art for the Heart, which I have here, which is a, it's a fill-in art journal. Um, and I just thought the approach for this was brilliant. It's, you know, loads of fantastic illustrations. Uh, it, Xavier's kind of burst onto the art scene. He like, started out as an artist in 2020. And so he's got this wonderful story of like, anyone can do it, you know, and and probably did what a lot of us didn't of, you know, starting a hobby and then staying true to it and and sticking with it. But this this book is... (laughs) Keeping at it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But this book is brilliant because it's it's part art journal, but it's also part like mindfulness journal, encouraging kids to, to take time out and to have moments of reflection through art and showing the power of art in doing that. So I think it's a beautiful introduction right. to what art can do, how we can use art, how we are all artists and how art can make us feel better. And I was like flicking through it on the train back from Edinburgh and it's just like, it just, it makes you want to get out a bunch of crayons or colouring pencils and just start colouring in his illustrations and drawing, you know, your your favourite meal, your worst meal, you know, yourself as a superhero, stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's a, a brilliant, brilliant, a brilliant book. Fantastic. That sounds ace. I'm definitely going to be checking that out. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Jason? Have you, um, I know you, you've been traveling, you're jet lagged, but have you found time to, to read and enjoy anything recently? <laughs> man, you know, you should have, you should, you know, I should, you should have gave me your book to promote, man. I would have, I would have, <laughs> congratulate, congratulate, <laughs> congratulations, man. That's big. That's a big deal. And you, you you slipped it in there so cavalierly, but we should we should we should take a second to uh, you know the the other Joe and I should take a second to congratulate you. That, You're very not, kind. Thank you no so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, let's see. I, it's a collection of poetry. Actually, I have it right here. It's called Mannerism. It's not out yet. Okay. So it's called it's called Mannerism. Oh, and it's by this poet. His name is Yomi. So day, 
I don't want to forgive me, brother, if you hear this and I ruined your name, but it's called Mannerism and it's a collection of poems. And I read, I started reading it yesterday. I was in, I was in Birmingham and I had some time to kill. And um, this is pretty beautiful. Mm. I mean, he's he is doing the thing. Like you know, sometimes you read poetry and it's like, wow, me- mechanically everything is doing what it's supposed to do. And then other times you read poetry and it's all sort of gut and no mechanics. And then every now and then you read poetry that's like the perfect nexus between the science and the soul of it, right? And that's when you're like, oh, this is like this is what it is. Like this is this is what we can do. Like this is sort of an elevated how far we can go with it, right? If you have both, if you understand the, the craft and like like the art of it and the heart of it, right? The craft of it and also sort of the creativity of it simultaneously. Um and he's he's doing he's doing all of those things. And it's just when 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 it, when it's right, it's right, you know? Yeah. The art and the heart. I love that. That's a great yeah. phrase. <laughs> Mannerism. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, two fab recommendations there. Thank you both for those. When do we get to the book off, bro? I got to talk about the other book. Well, luckily, it's time. It's time. Jason's chomping at the bit here to get onto the book off. Um, This is where you each get three minutes to tell us about a book that you love, that you think we should all read. Uh, You get three minutes uninterrupted. You don't have to use the three minutes, but if you are still talking at the three-minute mark, I'm either going to be ringing you out with the school bell or honking you out with the bicycle horn. So before we get started and get into it, Jason, I know you're desperate to do so. Uh, we just got to get a bit of admin out the way. Now, technically, we always say the person who's travelled the furthest gets to decide if they go first or second. I think, Jason, due to your jet lag and the fact that you're halfway up the country anyway, that you get to decide if you go first or second. Uh, you know, because of my respect for Joe and his position as the laureate, I, I, <laughs> 
I, I I will I will actually go first so that he can <laughs> thank you so that he can can really sort of land the plane. I, think. <laughs> I love it. I, I think I think that's respectful, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Very respectful, Jason. Yeah, uh, and Joe, you get to decide at the three-minute mark then whether you are honked out by the uh, bicycle horn or if you're rung out by the bell. Which would you prefer? Bicycle horn. Bicycle horn, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Uh, a great choice. Um, so then, we are going to put three minutes on the clock here, Jason. Uh, just tell us before we start it the book that you're putting forward, please. It's called Me Moth by Amber McBride. Uh, which is on, only came out last year, I think, didn't it? It's quite new. Just came out last year. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, three minutes on the clock, uninterrupted, to tell us about Me Moth. Over to you. First of all, I don't need three minutes for this. I, don't, I won't need three minutes because the book sells itself. This is a debut novel in verse um, written by... Uh, a professor of poetry from the University of, I think, Virginia State University in, in, in America. And it it chronicles, it's a dual narrative that chronicles uh, the life of Moth, a young woman named Moth, who loses her family, basically her entire family, in an accident. And she meets a boy named Sonny, who is also searching for his family. And they go on this adventure in search of their lost loved ones. The brilliant thing about it, right, because it is sort of this road trip kind of story. It's like a an adventure tale, sort of. But if you look it up online, people will call it a fantasy, right? And what's interesting about, about these sort of like the monikers that we use to try to classify stories is that you can only strap a title to a story based on what you know or don't know, right? So, so, so the reason that it's called fantasy is not because there's any fantasy in the story, but because Amber is using traditional, like, spiritual systems of, like, the indigenous people because Sani is an indigenous kid, right? And, and, and so one character is black, one character is indigenous, and so they have all the ancestral... Um, the ancestral belief systems that so many of us actually do believe that we don't see as fantasy, we just see as faith, right? We just see as part of our faith systems, right? Uh, and I've never seen, there's only a few people I've seen personally, right? Um, well, there's a few indigenous writers that are really brilliant, actually, I don't want to short them. But for me, uh, you know, there's been Leslie Marmon Silko's ceremony that I thought was just unreal. There's been a few that I mean, there's, you know, Roundhouse, there's, there's a few books, right? But this, the rendering of the indigenous character is so genius and so brilliant. And I just, in, in a way that I haven't seen in, for me personally, I know they exist because I'm, you have to be careful when you talk like this. I haven't seen them personally uh, rendered this way in children's literature and the black an indigenous sort of connection and relationship I've never seen in children's literature, even though it's a huge thing uh, in American history. And the twist in the book, which I can't give away because it would ruin the experience, but the twist in the book is so well written with such a deft hand that I did not, it, it knocked me off my, I mean, it really, it overwhelmed me in a way that I haven't felt in a very long time because I always can see it coming because I read an awful lot of books, uh, and I didn't see it coming. Uh, a master of language, every single word is the right word, perfect beginning, perfect ending. There, I really haven't read anything like it. 
Oh, just, needed the whole three minutes. You did need it in the end, <laughs> but you just got in there. That was super slick. Fantastic. Uh, what a great pitch. Thank you, Jason. And we'll come back and talk a little bit more about that book. It sounds fabulous. But you can take a little uh, breath now. Um, take a breather because we're putting three minutes back on the clock for you, Joe. And just before we start it, tell us the book that you're putting forward, please. I'm putting forward Stories of Your Life and Others by Ted Chang. A fantastic collection of short stories. I absolutely love short stories because I find they're that brilliant kind of tie-in just before bed where you just need something short to get you get you you know off into the into the land of dreams but the level of thought that goes into each story in this collection is mind-blowing you've got every story is a new delight and an, and takes you deeper into a, a completely different area so there's things on spiritualism there's things on faith and religion uh, there's stories about language what got me first onto this book was the um, title story, the story um, of your life, which has been turned to the film The Arrival, uh, you know, about aliens coming down to the planet and scientists trying to communicate with them. I thought that was just such a brilliant concept and then was completely awed when I discovered, it, like most, most great films, or many great films, I should say, it's based on a short story. And this idea of language being something that can transcend the thought process and enable you to reach new heights in this case being able to see time as not as a linear thing but as something all-encompassing these aliens are able to appreciate the past and the present and everything simultaneously and when the uh, protagonist of the story of your life starts to learn their language she starts to experience time as this constant thing so it, it's just a wonderful, beautiful uh, titular story within the book. But all of the stories are fantastic. There's the Tower of Babylon, which is all about kind of language and bursting through out into uh, trying to find a way um, out, out of uh, into heaven and finding your, yourself back on on you know on on Earth. There's one called Division by Zero, where a, a mathematician discovers kind of accidentally discovers that that maths doesn't quite work and this sends her crazy like it sends her down this horrible route where she ends up you know like suicidal because life and the universe has fallen apart because she has proven that maths doesn't actually work um there's one called 72 letters which is all almost like an alternative history where uh technology has gone down the route of um creating golems to survive, creating these sort of uh, almost like fill-in creatures because it's discovered that uh, humanity only has so long uh, that we will be unable to reproduce in, in a few years' time. And so we have to find new ways of recreating the, the human race. So the, the ideas and the, the kind of thought experiments that occur in these stories are... are just incredible and and each story is a complete and total surprise and some of the stories totally go off form so there's one called the evolution of human science which doesn't even feature any characters it's, it's like a ah a nature journal a science journal i'll stop there it's brilliant 
Ah, well done. Well done for sort of just, I knew you had loads more to say there. Too. Well done. Oh, man. What a, what a great collection of uh, pictures those two were. Um, have a break now, Joe. You can have a breather because I want to come back um, and talk about <laughs> me, Moth, because you did such a great job, Jason, of selling this in. Um, I love how you said at the start, this, this book sells itself. Don't worry about the three minutes. And then you were like, no, I've got so much to say, actually. Um, but I mean, <clears throat> to have such such praise for a, for a debut novel and a debut novel in verse that's that, that's a big selling point anyway it makes me think wow okay uh, amber knows what they're doing um and then i loved this i loved how much the characters spoke to you and that that sunny is such a brilliant cam- character but also that you found their relationship and the way it's written you know so incredibly well done and i think that's that's such an important thing isn't it yeah yeah i think you know there's been a few debut novels in verse that have done that. You know, I think about, you know, the Poet X, right? Elizabeth Acevedo and what she was able to do. Um, but Amber, I think there's just something about, there's so much integrity on the line. Every word, man, every word is, is, is doing double duty. And when you find, and when you find the twist, when the twist happens and it smacks you like a truck, you realize, you realize just how much every word was doing double duty. You know, like it's really, it's really masterful and and sort of almost like, you know, it's like palindromic in a certain way, um, and really difficult to do. If nothing more, I just saw it as a feat of a feat of craft, man. Like the story itself is brilliant, but even more so, it's just a feat of craft. Yeah, because also, to d- <laughs> when a twist when a twist is really good, you're like, ah, oh, well done them for getting a great twist. Exactly. If a twist is really good. But actually, then it makes you rethink everything you've just read as well. <laughs> that's like, that's like another. Like I had to go back. Yeah, I had to go back and like read. Like, like did I miss something? Did I miss? Yeah. Did I miss it? Right, and then I, and I missed everything. Right, <laughs> and that was that was sort of the genius of it. Um, and and any book that sort of has a twist like that, and it makes you realize, like, oh, there's always more to be done in in literature. There's always more to explore. There's always, and, you know, and it's been done, but it it. It was just a refresher of something that has we've seen in literature, but that we don't see often enough because it's too hard to pull off. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's amazing. Wow. Uh, well, that sounds fab. As does this collection of short stories, Joe. And I'm exactly like you. I love a short story anytime, but especially mm. before bed. I yeah. mean, what what could be better than just <laughs> sinking into a short little story and getting that nugget before you drift off. And Joe, um, my, The Arrival is my favorite alien movie of all time. Uh, it's the best alien movie of all time. And the short story. And the short story is genius. Yeah. Yeah, it just takes things to a whole other level of kind of what would actually happen if aliens came down and, and just opens up that whole thing of communication. And especially when communication is kind of lacking in the world today yeah so it it, ref, it reflects back on so many aspects of the world we're in now which is great mm. has anyone ever talked to ted chang about that story we, i wonder i wonder what the i wonder if he's ever talked about that story because it because i often wonder if the story is about immigration um like i often wonder about this i think about it all the time like if the, if it's actually a story about immigration uh, and about like the obvious theme about like you know like the human condition being bonded through through communication, but also just the way that we, especially Americans, talk about uh, the elite, the, the the alien, right? Like mm. we we use alien as a term to to 
to describe um, to describe immigrants. Yeah. Mm. Uh, oftentimes, uh, especially, and, and and that that and the, and the and, and the alienation of the immigrant comes through the inability to communicate uh, to our standard, not realizing that us being unwilling to communicate or unwilling to give grace is what's killing us all anyway. Uh, It's interesting. Mm. I think about it all the time. I wonder. I I could be way off. I wonder, you know. No, but I think you could totally read that into it. You and Ted Chang together, Jason. Yeah. (laughs) But you could totally read that into it because there's... what this story does is show the benefit as well of like learning the language of others. And it's that mm-hmm. empathy thing, isn't it? Of kind of stepping into somebody's shoes. And, you know, there's a, yeah, a very obvious benefit here of like seeing time, seeing the fullness of time. But when we learn about others and speak their language, then it, we all benefit, but we often don't see that or, or refuse to yeah. see that as a society, which just limits us all. And I love the fact that it sounds like there's such a rich tapestry of themes and ideas expressed in this collection as well, Joe, that you that you managed to get across. Yeah, I mean, like the, the last story, um, liking what you see, it's just this wonderful idea of kind of what what would happen if we could turn off that uh, our ability to appreciate beauty. <laughs> which I just think is, is such a, in terms of, of, of the human face, because the, the concept is that uh, the, the society of the story have realised that it, um, it's a huge handicap to not be the most beautiful. And, and so there's a procedure you can have where you can turn off your ability. So you can still see faces, but you don't make the leap of thinking someone is ugly, someone is beautiful. And yeah, you can appreciate, you can um, recognize different people and things, but it just switches off that ability and what that would do for society. And it's about that starting off, about universities making it um, kind of protocol that everyone has this procedure so that everyone is treated equally because of beauty standards and and what have you. It's just such a different area to, you know, uh, story of your life and aliens or uh, talks about, you know, faith there's one story called hell is the uh, the absence of god and it's taking this idea of, of, of what if it was just a, a fact that we knew we had concrete evidence of hell and heaven and angels and it, people were would have visitations by angels and you would see their souls go up to heaven or descend down into hell and the chaos that could cause and what that means for how you live your life I, it's just every story opens up this brilliant new idea and that's what I, I love about the short story form and in fact I've, I've been reading a lot as well a series of short stories coming out from the British Library which are taking short stories all based uh, f- taken from magazines of the late 1800s and early 1900s um, and some of these books are centered around you know killer plants or, or creepy kids um, or technology, weird technology, yeah. or trains. There was a, a whole collection just based on around train stories. Uh, and again, come back to that idea of the short form. The short form can do that, can, can crystallise an idea, um, and can be something so bizarre, but can take you on this kind of mini adventure. But, it's, but they're so often, or the best shorts are so often deep. They take you on this deep adventure, this deep dive, on something that you would have never even considered. 
Yeah, it's amazing. And what a, what a great pitch for what sounds like an absolutely fabulous book. And it's, uh, I think, from like 20 years ago or something, right? So it's... Yeah, older, 2002. And contemporary. Yeah, his latest exhalation, which is equally brilliant. It's a fantastic uh, collection of shorts. Um, but yeah, Stories of Your Life is, I, I have a, a, a soft spot for. Yeah. Well, I don't know what to do here because I was t- taken in by both of those pictures and loved the sound of both of them. And I want to read both of them. I, ca- I can't say I have. And I've, I've never read Ted Chang and I, I didn't know about Mimoth. Um Oh, man, this is a tough decision, isn't it? But like, <laughs> oh, just for the for the twist and the and the payoff, I'm going to ta- I'm going to take Mimoth. Just by a whisper. <laughs> I really want to read Meme Off. It sounds fantastic. <laughs> Me too. And I just think, you know, if someone if someone like Jason's saying, what a feat, and you've pulled this off, then you've got to read it, right? Yeah. And if someone like Joseph Coilo saying that this collection of stories is, like, amazing, then you've also got to read it. So I'll be reading mm. both of these. And I appreciate you both bringing them to our attention and to your for your fabulous pictures as well and two books that i also need to bring to everyone's attention are our tower by joseph coilo it's out now it's published by francis lincoln books and oxygen mars by jason reynolds also out now published by faber as is stunt boy published by the amazing knights of and what an absolute pleasure it's been to talk about those books and many more jason joseph thank you so much for being here thanks for joining us my pleasure mate. good to see you great to see good you Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.